When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are the Nuggets real contenders? Does Greg Popovich deserve high praise for his coaching job this year? Why do we love Derek White so much? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, as always, I'm joined by Jared Weiss, even though it's been a little while since he's been on the show with me, but I'm glad to have him back. Our schedules are finally realigning. So, Jared, let's hear your lovely voice. It's today as sometimes Jared Weiss. <laughs> yes. So, Jared, uh, I hope all has been well with you and that we, uh, we haven't done anything to offend you to keep you away for so long. I've missed you dearly, my friends, and... You had a nice trip to Florida, which definitely it was funny. I think did, did we miss a last show because I thought you were on Pacific time the entire time, and we just had yeah. everything completely screwed up. See, folks, this is the this is how the magic happens, or rather, how the magic doesn't happen. It's the time zone changes when you're in the NBA that really screw everything up. But that's why I figured it makes sense that we talk about a couple teams that are between Pacific and Eastern time. Start with. Denver Nuggets, then talk about San Antonio Spurs, two of the teams that are really, really playing well right now and maybe can have a shot at making a good run in the Western Conference playoffs, but probably eventually lose to the Warriors. Damn, what a segue that was. I, I couldn't have done it better myself. So, yeah, the Denver Nuggets, let's talk about them. They just beat your Celtics uh, on the road in the Garden uh, in an impressive win. It was actually a pretty good game for most of the game. And then it, it kind of just fell apart in the fourth quarter, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Um, and I guess that's the key. that The Nuggets can do that to you. It's not quite as violent as the Warriors will do it to you in that like three-minute stretch where they just kill you. But all of sure. a sudden, Jokic will step back, hit a three. He'll throw a dime. Barton might throw a shot in or two. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just – and then they, they might lock down a couple possessions, and that's it. So they have that kind of thing going. So I, I don't know. Do you think that, that, that they're really legit – Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially because Millsap is playing so well right now. He's like really getting back to that elite defender capability. And yeah, with Jokic in that Celtics game, halfway through the fourth quarter, he buried a couple threes in a row, I think. And yeah. it just all of a sudden blew up from like a two possession game to a four possession game. And uh, they're a good, re they're a really good rebounding team. They tend to be big most of the time. They usually have two bigs out there. And they have, you know, Will Barton, who's a athletic rebounder. Gary Harris is pretty solid for her too. So like they 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 clean up on the glass in the fourth quarter very nicely, and they just they they just converted so well. Uh, they don't waste possessions usually. I think that's the beauty of having a guy like Jokic out there. It's really hard to waste a possession when if things are falling apart, you can just toss it to him. He just kind of like grabs the ball, sticks it in the air, kind of just like shakes his butt around a little bit, and then it just goes somewhere. He shoots it or he just hits somebody on the cut. I mean, it's he makes it so easy. And, like, they don't they don't even, like, seem that intimidating, but they just execute really well. Yeah, they have no less than seven players averaging double figures. So they just attack you from a lot of different ways. 
And I'm not even including um, Isaiah Thomas in that. <laughs> you Why don't need not? to. Uh, but I'm looking on the thing. And I don't even see him on here. Uh, that's really strange. Why? They, why does B-ball ref not even listen to him here? But um, that is weird. I mean, he has played nearly enough to really qualify, yeah. and they're, they're taking him out of the rotation, so I wouldn't count that. And you know, in that Celtic game, it was it was nice to be there for. And like Isaiah means a lot to be as someone who was around him during everything that happened, and he's an amazing guy. But you know, he did have a couple dimes that were like they weren't great dimes, but they were like it was the right play. But he just right now is not there yet. And hopefully he'll get there next year. And it's just too late in the season at this point for him to work his way back in. Uh, yeah. But it, it makes it, it t- watching him out there. I clearly understood why Malone said he was going to shut him down. Obviously, he played him just so he could get his tribute and be out mm-hmm. there and all that in Boston. But that should be it for him. Yeah. Because Monty and, Morris and is playing really well. Be, be very concerned because what they're doing uh, to try and get him back is not going to work. I don't think it's going to have to be surgery. So, um, and if they don't do surgery, he's just going to be, you know, where he is now. But let's move on to uh, something besides Isaiah because that would be a long conversation we can have. Yeah. You know, we'll bring a doctor and we'll talk about that. But um, so yeah, so obviously they have you know uh, you know the the MVP talk around Jokic is probably to me kind of settled down. Even though you know the, the Nuggets have gone about their business and they're they're one game behind right now. I think in the standings. That should be right. Uh, and and I mean Jokic is really good and like he should yeah. be a, one of the first All NBA teams. But he wouldn't be an MVP in like a normal year, and then this year we have two historically great MVP candidacies and Giannis and Harden. So that's that's definitely not going to happen, right? But you know I, the whispers are there, and I like it. You know, a guy who averages twenty uh, and eleven and seven and a half like uh, is crazy. Uh, if he only blocked a few more shots, and like then then he would be in you know completely rarefied air. But he actually had a really key block uh, against the Celtics too. He can kind of get it done on the on the defensive end enough. Where and they're, they're high powered enough on the offensive end where they can just sort of overcome any of those issues there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see. Uh, let's just pretend they get the second seed. I mean, here's the question: Will the Warriors do some load management and ultimately, you know, lose a few games at the very end and let the Nuggets catch up? I, I think that's probably a 50-50 proposition, wouldn't you say? I mean, the thing is, is Denver. Assuming the Warriors hold on, they're about to win the game while we're taping here on it's Tuesday night, right? So the Warriors will go up half a game at that point. I mean, they're they're neck and neck. So Denver right now if they if there's any load management rest then it's going to be the Warriors falling behind the Nuggets. And you know, the Warriors even if they have to rest Steph or Clay a couple games here, I'm sure Denver's probably going to have a game or two where they're going to be resting Jokic, so that whole just strategic resting might even itself out, but these teams they have the same record. So, yeah, it's it you're basically if you're doing the if you're resting, you're basically saying that the seeding is as important, which I agree with obviously. Mm-hmm. I I have to imagine like the Warriors uh, there's got to be a value to the number one seed for them. I, I know they probably feel like one, one or two doesn't really matter. The other problem, though, is because of the bottom of the order, you don't, we don't know who's the eighth and the seventh seed anyway. So it's gonna, and that could shake out in the next 10 games. I would hope it actually it's more exciting when it doesn't. So I think that's the problem is I think you got the top and the bottom eyeing each other, and it's like without a real clear way of knowing what anybody wants to do. I mean, who do the Nuggets want to play in the first round anyway? The Clippers, the Jazz, the Spurs? What, what do you think? I would think that they'd want the Clippers. I just feel like I'm surprised that the Clippers are so close to the rest of those teams because, like, San Antonio in five and Clippers at eight are separated by one game, so they're all in the same tier, right? But I think 
San Antonio, Oklahoma, and Utah are clearly on a different tier than where the Clippers are. And the Clippers, they have that great 10-man rotation, but these rotations usually get cut down to eight or even seven and a half in the playoff series, so that depth isn't quite as effective. It's great having like a 10-man depth if you're a team going multiple rounds and you want to match up differently, but it's not going to be nearly as valuable in the first-round matchup, and the Clippers aren't going to be getting past the first round unless Montrez is dropping 30 and 15 every single night, which could happen. Well, I went so, to the game. I was there last night or two nights ago on Sunday night when they beat uh, – the Nets, it was a crazy game. And Lou Williams, who didn't play particularly well all game, just, I mean, I really felt bad for the Nets because they came all the way back, tied the game with, a, with five seconds to go. And then Lou Will just, you know, as he would do, hits a drifting, you know, he's what, like four feet behind the three-point line. The guy, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, like in his face, like, you know, it was and he's like following the other direction pretty much. He's like flying to his left on that shot. Yeah, I mean, that, that was incredible. And that's what he does. I just did a video on him, if you didn't see it, where I have a whole segment where we show him drifting to his left severely and just making shot after shot. It's his thing. He It makes sense to some degree on there with a righty because it keeps your right uh, hip and right elbow like aligned in theory when you're going that way. But it, it really takes a lot of uh, dexterity and, and just experience to be able to do that. So they have that guy that can close. So let's not quite sleep on the Clippers. I bet you they win. They might, they could win like, uh, like two games. Can they win? Two I think games? it'll be a series. Yeah. It'll be a series against whoever they're getting, especially yeah. if they get, if they get Portland somehow, I think that'd be a real series, but yeah. that would probably that would probably be them jumping it, up a game up yeah. to the fifth seed. But a bit, I mean, they they might be able to get like a couple games against Denver. They probably get one game against the Warriors, but even still, I bet you there'll be a couple games that go down that are going to be close. Uh, and, and in fact, everything now it's a confusing thing at the bottom too, like you said, because everyone's bunched up, and you know now the Blazers are you know they're they're in, in that fourth seed by a half game. Um, and CJ is now hurt for a little bit. I don't know. I think he'll be back somewhat soon. But that's going to cause a lot of interesting movement there. Uh, and then is it, it's not surprising, I guess, the Rockets have made their move and have solidified that. They're, that's Their third spot's theirs to keep. I, they're not losing that one. Well, they're a game and a half on Portland. Port, I mean, they're three games up on San Antonio. So making up three games in, in what, 13 or 14 games left, that's, that's a little tough. So. Yeah. Houston would have to like go 500 the rest of the way, and one of those teams would have to catch fire for this to change. So I think Houston's probably locked into that three spot. Yeah, which is impressive since I had to do a video in December. Will they make the playoffs? <laughs> it's not aged well, <laughs> but there there were some uh, things that they all they did shore up. They actually you know followed what I said that would fix it with their issues, and here they are. So, uh, but you know this former Rocket, uh, cl- uh, uh, current Clipper now Montrez Harold. So there's nothing. I can't say enough good things about that guy. Um, just a real, you know, great story how he had to persevere and get uh, get minutes, and now he's just just killing teams, and he can't even shoot it. It's the thing. It's crazy. I thought that that position, the way he plays it, uh, was was gone and done and gone forever, but it's not, I guess. Well, first off, this Nugget segment is going really well, and second off, yeah. is there? A, can you name anyone else in the league that plays like Montrez right now? Well, it, it feels Fareed. like he's one of a kind. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> he's not playing it. Well, actually, and, well, for one, Farida's shooting, or has at least been to a degree shooting well in Houston. Um, but someone who just kind of like, just like trucks through guys in the paint, who kind of just like up fakes or makes contact, and then just like somehow is able to get up there and throws it down. Trez dunks every freaking time he's in the paint. And, and he doesn't seem that big. He must be like 6'7 or 6'8, it seems like. But mm-hmm. he somehow throws it down every time. I just, I feel like there's, there's no like 
downhill running back like that in the league right now at the five spot that plays the way that he does. Right, at that size. Um, so I, nothing's really coming to mind, but... But you know what? I do want to make a point about the Denver Nuggets. I feel like maybe because it's there's you know their talent is so spread out across a number of players. There's no like you know marquee marquee star behind Jokic or aside from Jokic, but uh, and Mike Malone, uh, another one of those X factors for them uh, as a, a very good coach who's been around a long time. He's a lifer, uh, and that would also be a, a big benefit for them. Jamal Murray though is the one question mark I have. I'd be concerned. He's the Marcus Smart. Of the Nuggets, <laughs> yeah. Well, he, like, he, you, we know he can get you thirty on some nights, and then he, so far the story with him has basically been he's going to have like a twelve for twenty one night where he gets you thirty two, and then he's going to have a four for seventeen night, and it's it's just going to alternate like that. And they don't have anyone else on the roster that is going to make up like if he's having a down night, there's no one else that they can really count on to counterbalance that with perimeter scoring Barton's going to be able to explode to the rim Gary Harris has been like kind of like a weird inconsistent inconsistent shell of himself but they can run him you know they can like run DHO stuff for him with Jokic he can spot up in the corner he can you know he can rip and go uh you know he's he's not playing great but he's playing well but like right it doesn't seem like Millsap is going to be their kind of like go-to get them 30 point kind of guy so if Murray doesn't have it that night and they need someone to like actually be a bucket getter for them which is going to be, a, it, you know, that's just like a thing that is going to happen in the playoffs every single time. I don't really know what they do at that point because Jokic isn't a really, I mean, they can post up Jokic and try to work up, you know, try to work that. But like if they need three, you can't just post up Jokic and if, you know, giving the ball in the elbow isn't going to be a very efficient way to do it. So I don't really know what they do in those kind of late game situations. They've, they've been, they've managed to figure it out by just being really unpredictable and having usually five different guys on the floor that can score at any moment. But they, if Jamal isn't the one getting it done, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, where do you think they go at that point? Well, I think that the, the, the post up for Jokic is, is correct and he can easily pass and kick it out and find those threes because they're moving and they're cutting. Uh, they have a very solid uh, inside out move, uh, movement on, in the offense. So I think that's where they would get it because Gary Harris is has proven to be a real, uh, you know, a, a, an elite shooter over his career. And it's I think he's just still coming back and getting his legs underneath him. So we'll have to, you know, I think that's part of it. But again, you're right. The go-to thing is Millsap is a guy. Will Barton could also be that guy. It's a, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. I'm not sure. That's the question that they've been able and have had enough time with everybody healthy together to solidify that pecking order for the main the main event when they're playing against the really heavy uh, pressured teams. So we'll have to see. I mean, you know, that the problem with Murray is he could have a game where he gets like no turnovers and he scores 25 points is perfect. Then he'll have the games where he has, you know, seven turnovers or five yeah. turnovers and he can't he's just making bad decisions all game long. So I imagine that's going to slowly iron out over time. Uh, maybe not in this year. We might see some clunkers and some really good stuff too. Um, so maybe they're not quite ready. I don't know what the, even the contract situations are for them going forward, but it feels like they're probably like one year away from really like threatening substantially to make the finals. I mean, hey, next year if KD leaves the Warriors, they could they yeah. could be a real real threat for the finals. Yeah, I think I mean I think it opens up a lot of things. Even though uh, I just did a video showing how uh, the Warriors' offense could be a little bit better in a team concept, at least when KD is not out there. But uh, yeah, it'll change a lot of things, and the Warriors are gonna have to make some decisions. But let's uh, let's take a little break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about the San Antonio Spurs. 
We've got two games between the Thunder and the Raptors this week as Russ goes up against Kawhi in a home-and-home series. And that means there is only one place to get in on all this action, and it's called betonline.ag. Sports, casino, virtual casino, you name it. BetOnline.ag is B-Ball Breakdown's preferred sportsbook online. Place your picks for those games and more this weekend by going online to sign up today at clnsmedia.com slash bball. Try in-game live betting where you can participate in all the action with every play. That's clnsmedia.com slash bball to get a 50% sign-on bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk a little bit about Greg Popovich and the. They were uh, louding him on the uh, broadcast when they were playing the Warriors. Louding, L A U D, louding. I guess that's the right way to say it. Um, I say lauding. Lauding. That's what I'm saying. Laud. Like you're saying, like you're in a, a preacher in the South. Um, oh, so, loud. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Laud. They're lou- lauding are delicious. him. Yes, because loud is just kind of like screaming, like I'm doing right now. So they were lauding him uh, with praise, or that's what that means anyway, uh, about his coaching job this year. But my take, uh, and I even you know threw this out on Twitter, was that he's got two all stars, and I don't care if you're going to try and yell at the at the radio or wherever you're listening to this uh, that DeRozan wasn't an official all star this year. He's an all star player. He's playing an all star level. And uh, they got two of them. So, you know, and they're now in uh, – they just got the fifth spot uh, in the Western Conference. So it's not like – for a little while they were like sixth, seventh. So I think that's about right. I'm not sure I would give them, you know, too much more uh, props for, for getting them probably where they should be. Yeah, I mean, he should have won Coach of the Year this year. Last year he could have had a he could have had a reasonable case considering that he lost Kawhi and still got them there. But, yeah, this year they're uh, – like a what third tier team in the West, and that's what you would expect from two guys who are both. I mean, isn't Lamarcus Aldridge basically the big man version of Demar Derozan, and vice versa? Like, you know, yeah. twenty foot shot, contested fadeaway. Like they have a very similar offensive profile. Uh, they're both good passers. I mean, DeRozan has continued to evolve as a passer, and he's become, on a team full of point guards that aren't really point guards, he's kind of become that team's point guard, although we'll, we'll have a Derek White section of this podcast later. Um, but he, DeRozan, I think, has maximized his game, and he's he's stabilized the last couple of years at that level. This year his defense is getting a little bit better, so... You're seeing how you know, being with the Spurs and just continuing to kind of incrementally improve in your new prime, how him and Aldridge can just find little ways to get better and better and better. But they're kind of like stuck in that borderline all star where like they, they score a ton of points, but there's just there's just that little thing missing that doesn't make them quite the, what you know, like what like the bona fide every single year all star guys are or really the guys that get their teams into the top three in the conference are. And Maybe it's just that they don't have that dominant defensive spark and they don't hit threes. But the, this team is just built to complement that. Everyone yeah. else in the rotation is shooting at least 38% from three or 39% from three. Like they're, They do a great job of having those two guys surrounded by scores and shooters who can move the ball, make a good pass, and just they find, they find a shooter every damn play. Okay, now... When I mentioned that there were uh, the the Nuggets had seven players averaging double figures, are they the only team in the league that can do that? I'm about to guess no. 
That's true. The San Antonio Spurs also have seven players. Uh, if you want to <laughs> count 9.9 as double digits, I will do that. I'll round up. Uh, they have seven. They're very well balanced. And again, it's a testament to the DeRozan willing to pass more. He's averaging a little over six assists a game, which is fantastic for him. So, I mean, I watched him. They, they went in, uh, at Madison Square Garden. I was in New York a couple weeks ago. And, I mean, the guy's just a pro. He just goes about the game as a pro, and he is tough. He hits tough shots. I mean, he hit a shot against the, uh, the Warriors that pretty much iced the game with, uh, I think it might have been Iguodala all up in his grill. Uh, multi-dribble ISO, you know, uh, from about 18 I think feet. Cl- Who I think was it was Clay, actually. Oh, it was Clay Thompson. It was Clay. So it's it was like, like the best at defending that kind of possession in the game, pretty much. Yeah, and he did as yeah. almost, short of blocking the shot, he did as well as he could do. And DeRozan still hit it. So uh, they're tough. They're tough, and obviously they have Popovich, and so when they're going to need him for any kind of adjustments and on the fly during the playoffs, that, that's going to be their ace up their sleeve. So, yeah, nobody I don't think is going to want to necessarily play them. Now, the X factor we have here, though, is uh, – and one of the reasons why they lost to the Knicks when I was in New York was that Derek White didn't play. And as soon as he comes back, it, like they go on a nine-game winning streak – um, in that in that stretch, because he it's him. I think what he can do for them is such another another level. It gives them that Manu play almost, if you will. Although I I, I would hazard to say he's well, you know, he probably doesn't shoot any better as far as three point percentage than Manu. But I don't know. He just feels a lot more solid to me, a little bit more consistent. So um, you don't like Derek White, right? You want to just you wish he wasn't in the league. <laughs> Why am I getting that? No, I love Derek White. <laughs> okay, good. So but, make sure. For- for the record, he's shooting thirty five point three percent from three yeah. this year. It seems. Um, I want to check if it, how what if it's like as recent if he's shooting better recently. But yes, go on. I'm, try, I'm trying to get their record with him on the floor. I mean, they're really good with him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, so he he was out for most of February. Comes back February twenty fifth. They lose in Brooklyn, and he you know he has a rough game. And then since then, they've won every single game. Right hands. Over that period, he's averaging 13 points, five and a half dimes, one and a half blocks per game as a starting point guard in those nine games. And he's shooting. He's shoot. He's uh, taking. He's hitting one three a game, taking two and a half, so 39 percent. But you know, small samples of the percentage doesn't matter a ton. But like he's he's playing really damn well right now. Yeah. And you you just you watch him out there, and he's just such a. He's got a really good feel for lob passes to Lamarcus Aldridge when he's on the pick and roll or he's cutting back door. Um, he has a good sense of how to kind of like get low and wrap passes around the defense. I think didn't was he didn't you tweet out a clip of this during the Warrior game where he just like timed this pass perfectly right on a pick and roll to like Bertans or Pirtle? Okay, yeah, so it's the Pirtle. It was just like he, he just has that angle right, and it was just so San Antonio where you know you don't have great spacing or like you're not really fast, but you just get that angle right and you just fit that pass through. Yeah, well, he and, threw it to the only place. The only person, A, that could that could catch it was Pirtle, and it wasn't even clear that Pirtle would be able to catch it anyway, but he had the audacity to throw it, and then he, you know, knowing Pirtle could get it. And then Pirtle, by the way, had had a really impressive reverse finish on that one, so let's give him yeah. props too. But, yes, that was a tweet where I said, you know, dear Derek White, I love you, and that was the, <laughs> the, the play because it was, you know, it, it's the audacity. It's the let's go for it. Let's try this. I see something no one else sees. Um, it really it just changes the game when he's in there. Um, and talk about a story, 
you know, his story of getting to the NBA is just another one of those crazy things where he, you know, wasn't even, couldn't even get a, a, a scholarship out of high school. A guy who's going to go to cooking school or a school that had a big culinary arts program. And then that coach ended up getting a, I think a D2 job and then brought him there. And that's where he got, went going from there. So he didn't Jeez. actually play at a, at a culinary school. Like there was a rumor about that, but he almost was going to have to uh, until the coach got a different job and brought him with him. So again, I love those stories of the underdog guys who have to work that much harder to make it and are, are you know, uh, you know, respect the game that way because of it. It's too bad. I'd love for Bill Raftery to call a game at his culinary school just so he could go onions every single time. <laughs> okay, not a bad Raftery impersonation. <laughs> is he still even around? I have no idea. Wow. I gosh. actually, uh, this is how little I watch college basketball. I had no idea what the onions reference was until like a year ago and someone like showed me a video explaining it. I absolutely had, I had no it, idea. It, it's it, actually, it's kind of funny. It's guts, right? You have onions of guts. Isn't that what it is? Like I, I have no idea. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm under 80 years old, so I, I don't get the reference. But well, okay. I know what chutzpah is. I am Jewish, so. There you uh, go. But, but uh, back to White. I can't remember, if it, can't remember if it was White or Forbes. Forbes is the one that got really hot in the Warriors game, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, in the middle. Now yeah, but well, yes. so I just remember in the in the second quarter, it was either Forbes or White, hit a three from the left elbow where it like bounced off the rim, hit like the top top. Oh no, of the that was Derek White. Derek White got hot. Yeah. That was White. Okay, and then Steph Curry in the third quarter took the exact same shot from the yeah. exact same location at the same exact bounce. Yeah, and I was like, what? What are the chances of that happening? It's like it's it's like winning the lottery, which is funny because like if you're a point guard that gets signed by, signed or drafted by the Spurs, you've essentially won the lottery. You know, Jared, there's a way to basically win the lottery without having to buy a ticket. You get the same feeling when you hire someone that fits perfectly into your company. And your odds of finding someone like that don't have to be astronomical when you use ZipRecruiter to find candidates. By visiting ZipRecruiter.com breakdown, you know your job will be sent to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and their powerful matching technology will scan thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective, how effective is it? It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash breakdown. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash breakdown. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Because... <laughs> You have like you're you're ten times more likely to be have a successful NBA career if that happens to you. Well, it's interesting because but also if you play in the Spurs offense, you're more likely to have like lower assist numbers than a lot of other point guards, which I find interesting. Like Tony Parker never really, you know, I should look at before I talk on my butt, but I think he never he averaged really had like one. six assists a game usually. I yeah. think he had a couple years where he had eight. But yeah. yeah, it was never like, you know, considering how often he handled the ball, it's the, the, the function of their offense tends to be, you know, the point guard will bring it up and initiate and then the ball is out of his hands. And now he's a point. He's a shooting guard. Basically, he's coming sure. off screens, getting ball screens. So it's almost like he's not dominating the ball like a Steve Nash did in, you know, Dan Tony's offense. So he, they're not going to get uh, the kind of assist numbers. And, I, you know, I, and I, I think you see that with, uh, you know, like Steph Curry as well for a guy that, you know, has the ball in his hands as much as he does. He never is a huge high volume assist guy, and it's more of a function of the offense than it is obviously their ability. Because you know the, these guys could easily get a lot more, or certainly Parker and Curry could 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 average ten assists a game if they want. If they well, KD, I think KD uh, is leading the team in assists, right? I think he 
He's averaging like six and a half or something like that. Although it could be yeah. Draymond still, I forget. But like oh, right. he averages more than Steph because he's but he's feeding Steph a lot of the time. Um, you know, I would bet I don't know if there's if anybody if there's like a public project that has historical hockey assist data, but and I mean NBA hockey assist data. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Parker was right towards the top of the league in hockey assists every okay. single year. Yeah, I mean we have that step. I don't know if it goes back far enough for his prime, but we'll have to check it out. But uh, no. you know, but anyhow, so yeah, so the Spurs, you know, they're it's a fun team. And they do balance nicely ball movement with the ISO nature. And I think it took them a year to kind of understand and figure out how they can balance those things and not have it be one or the other and have it be hot and cold. So, uh, yeah, the, the way they play, you know, their, their defensive rating right now, I need to kind of check more recently. But for the season, it's uh, 20th. But I feel like they've had uh, big stretches of the season where they were really locked down defensively and, and doing really well and, and, and that – they have the ability to do that. Well, it was horrible at the beginning of the year, weren't they? Like down yeah. towards thirty early on. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull up real quick right now while I'm delaying yeah. here and tell you that I'm delaying. But well, I got it right here. They, La- well, the last fifteen games, like you know, of course, nine of these are the, it's a nine game winning streak. The uh, well, let's see, the Spurs are the, they're fifteenth. So if let's go to the last nine games of the, of the winning streak. Let's see if it's gone up any ball, any higher. Uh, the Spurs. They're twentieth since yeah. January first, and they're six in offense over yeah. that time. And in this in, in this nine game winning streak, they're third, the one hundred three point one defensive rating. So you know they they figured some things out, but I bet you it could also be a function of their schedule. We see like you know aside from the Warriors, let's see who else they played because um, that could be part of it. But either way, they you know they have a system, they know how to play within it. They'll be well prepared, and certainly in the playoffs. So they're not going to be a twentieth rated defensive team in the playoffs. They're going to be better than that. I would agree with that. And one thing, by the way, I'm getting them since the 25th of February, which was when um, when White came back as second in the league in defensive rating. Okay, there you go. So that's yeah. over the last nine games. And, yeah, and in yeah. the last that's nine games. Last yeah, ten games, actually. You know, they've had, they've had to play the Thunder. They had to play uh, the Blazers and the Warriors and uh, the Nuggets. But they've also got to play the Hawks. And the Bucks. So you know what? There's been some really good wins in this nine-game winning streak, without question. You yeah. know, they got a chance to play the Mavericks and the Knicks in there too. But uh, listen to that: Pistons, Thunder, Nuggets, Hawks, Bucks, Mavericks, Knicks, Blazers, and Warriors. That's a by the way, the, gauntlet. The Hawks have been playing fairly well the second half of the season, especially since the All Star break. They've been playing pretty well, and Trey's been out of his mind. So. Yeah, they're putting up numbers either way. Trey Young has kept it up since I did my video on him, which sort of made the argument that he is, you know, needs to be considered for the rookie of the year. uh, That now that Luca has sort of, you know, used up some of the oxygen and it's leveled off a little bit. Uh, Yeah, Trey Young has played as well as he has over about I want to say about twenty five game sample now. Yeah, I think it's really close now. I still have Luca, and don't forget Luca just had a didn't he have like a twenty point triple double within the last forty eight hours? So he's still. He's Wait, but by the way, can you name the? I don't. By the way, I don't know how many Russ has had in a row. But there's one player right now who's on a five game consecutive triple double streak. Okay, so here here's a better question: If Alfred Payton had shaved his head when he got to the NBA, would he, where would he be in his career right now? Would he be an All Star already? 
Uh, I don't know, but he certainly would have shot a lot better. I mean, there's no question that there's a great video out there on YouTube about, about airspace with the with the hair. Uh, I forgot who did it. It was going to bring me on the show. It's probably two years ago. Um, but they really make some great points about when you have hair that protrudes out from your hairline, you need that space to bring the ball up and out and through on your jump shot. And if the hair hits the ball or you got to move it to be out of the way of that, it's a real problem. Marcus Smart shaved it and uh, it improved. And he showed numbers that show you improve. So without question, oh, we and we had seen it flop into his eyes uh, on a that, floater. That's know. Well, the, the big thing was, I, I feel like you and I have been talking about this for years, is that when he shoots the ball, or when he shot the ball when he had his hair, his hair would flip. It would, like, as he started to jump, it would go back. And then right as he was about to follow through, it would fly back in his face and hit him in the eyes. So he was literally blinding himself every time he shot the ball. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how used to it you are. There is there's some weight on top of your head that's kind of, like, counterbalancing what you're trying to do, which is going to screw you up right there. And you're literally taking away some of your some of your vision as you're doing it. It has it had to be the main reason that he was struggling to shoot the ball. When did he cut his hair? It was last year, I think, when he went to New York. Oh, really? Like year? I totally missed that uh, that whole like was there a celebration or something? Because it just <laughs> didn't bubble up in my my timeline, huh? Um, I think the former uh, the former Orlando front office was definitely not celebrating right uh, all right i gotta get him on the show then and talk about that uh, as soon as possible because i i mean did anyone do a, a, an article about that let's see he did it in uh, he did it after last season okay so uh, so before the season the started um yeah. anyhow well if if no one else has done that i'm gonna i'm gonna be the guy i want to i want to cover that and uh and get some uh, some lines from him because yeah without question we'd seen that where we get in his face uh, and you need that that vision. Even after the ball's released, you need, you need to be able to see the ball or the rim, as we've yeah. talked about. I got some good footage, by the way, um, of Lou Will and a couple other guys warming up uh, on Sunday night for uh, who, where they watched when they released the ball, whether the rim or the ball. And um, anyhow, interesting stuff. But Jared, I think that time has come. Yeah. By the way, I need to do a live error check. I said Peyton was with the Knicks. I'm thinking of Moutier. I mix yeah. those guys up all the time. At least just like in the last year since they were both guys that got let go by their draft pick teams and then they both are E for their first name. But yeah, whatever. Point good is, good Nuggets and Spurs are good. That is the point. Spurs are good. Everybody's good. I'm good. You're good. We're all good. You good? No. You I'm win. good. Is that, right. is that the end? Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Yes. Jared, I can't wait to read what you're, what you're going to write next for The Athletic. You want to give us a little peek, sneak preview? Well, there was a little bit of it there. We talked about with Lou Will. I got a special project. Don't want to say publicly yet, but it's a project that I've been talking to you about for years, and I've been working on this probably for over a year now, and it's uh, finally starting to come get close to the finish line. So oh. looking forward to getting that out. Awesome. Well, I'll be waiting for that. Maybe I'll even do a companion video for that, so we'll see. But sure. other than that, thank you for joining us, everybody out there, for another great podcast. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Jared? I'm back in the show, baby. <laughs> <laughs>